0: This week on Trek Merry Kill. Cue apples, jellyfish. Next.
1: Tonight, the 24th century begins. Welcome to the Enterprise. In a special world premiere movie, Star Trek The Next Generation. 78 years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new galaxy starship has been designed with a new team of highly skilled Federation explorers. Starfleet Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Commander Riker, Executive Officer, Chief Medical Officer Crusher, and her brilliant son Wesley, Lieutenant Commander Data, an android, the telepathic Troy, Geordi, a man with unique vision, Security Officer Yar, and Klingon Officer Worf. Their first mission: investigate a new star base on planet Denim Four. Thou art directed to return to thine own solar system immediately. A hostile alien threatens the crew. Now go back, or thou shalt most certainly die but they're determined to finish their mission. Together, they stand trial before a merciless court. You will now answer to the charge of being a grievously savage race. Now, they have 24 hours to uncover the secrets of a strange world. They're fine on far points, sir. The classic legend begins an all-new adventure. Let's see what's out there. Star Trek The Next Generation.
0: Trek, marry, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek, marry, kill, the only Star Trek podcast that has us as hosts. This week we'll be figuring out if we want to Trek, marry, or kill the pilot episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Encounter at Farpoint. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Star Trek The Next Generation. And it occurred to me while I was putting together all my notes that they are in fact too many.
2: Oh yeah. I think too many. <laughs> we can't go into them all. Cause you know, it's... no. Yeah. We, we're going to have to spread them out over various episodes. I think this might, this
0: is our favorite show, right?
2: <laughs> this is my favorite <laughs> of, of show. all of them. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think I've settled on that. It still, it has my heart. You know, I think in our episode zero, I talked about how, as I've gotten older, that deep space nine is sort of emerged. And in a lot of ways, I really think Cisco is my favorite captain. Like if I think about who would I most want to serve under, I do lean in my, in most days I'm like Cisco, but then rewatching even encounter at far point, Kristen, <laughs> and it just all came rushing back. Just all the love I have for it, uh, for this entire enterprise essentially. So, uh, Written by DC Fontana and Gene Roddenberry. Important distinction, if you didn't know this, in the Writers Guild, if you see something was written by someone and, with and spelled out, and the other person, they did not write it together. Hmm. They've only written it together if there's an ampersand connecting them. So DC Fontana and, A-N-D, Gene Roddenberry wrote Encounter at Farpoint. It was directed by Corey Allen. And it was the first episode to air. It aired... uh, September 28th, it began airing in syndication. That's an important distinction. Mm -hmm. The show didn't come out on a network, so some people got it on Saturdays. Some people got it on Sundays. But anyway, (laughs) September 28th, 1987. So this is technically the 35th anniversary year of uh, Star Trek Next Generation's debut, um, which means I'm incredibly old. (laughs) I wasn't even born yet.
2: (laughs) I'm joking. I was. I'm also... (laughs) Not as old as Brian, but getting there.
0: I have also been watching Star Trek The Next Generation, it occurs to me now, for 32 years.
2: Wow. I don't know how long I've been watching it. I mean, around that time, I guess.
0: The Enterprise-D on its maiden journey is sent to the planet Deneb-4, where Farpoint Station has been established by the locals. And Picard is tasked with discovering why Farpoint Station is so great, well, how did they how did this potentially, um, uh, you know, not as technologically advanced um, society build this advanced base and what use can that be to Starfleet? And on the way, they are in, uh, intercepted by an omnipotent being who calls himself Q mm-hmm. and represents the Q and puts humanity, puts Picard as a representative of humanity on trial for human beings, uh, the crimes of humanity, being a grievously savage species. And Picard is able to work out a deal where if they can figure out what the mystery of Farpoint Station is, then humanity will be saved and won't have to turn tail and hide back in their own solar system.
2: Yeah, not And just along the, the way, we meet all the characters. What's that? Yeah, not just, the, not just solving the mystery of Farpoint Station, but um, acting appropriately, I guess. It's a test. It's a riddle and a test,
0: a riddle and a test. That's, that's great. You know what? That is more thought than I think they put into a lot of elements of this story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So do you remember when you first saw this episode?
2: I don't remember exactly when, but yes, I have recollections of this Um, in particular, the courtroom scene. Um, It has not aged well, in my opinion the oh. the background <laughs> the not like the background actors are just i don't know what they're what the costumes are supposed to be i don't like it's loud uh choices were made um yeah that part i don't think for that reason in my opinion has not aged super well like i don't mind the other stuff but that in particular i really sticks with me
0: I know that I didn't see it, the show in order. I came into it around season three or season four. That's my memory. Yeah, I so see, next I, mean, gener- I would
2: not have seen this as it premiered, I don't think.
0: Yeah. So seeing any first season episode was essentially whiplash for me because <laughs> the show, the show after se- seasons one and two are sort of of a kind, and, and I think season two has a lot of has its own thing where it's different as well. You can kind of tell the difference between one and two. if You're just looking at them with the sound off. But also if you are watching the episode season two has, you know, kind of differently mature episodes in season one but anyway the bigger point is come season three the look of the show changes Mm -hmm. the tone of the show (laughs) changes the performances change like it all changes and that's that's what i started with
2: i I did put a bunch of stuff about the costumes was like my strongest memory like that they have the gendered costumes that are closer to the original series um like they have like those skirts for girls and like some of the men are wearing shorts (laughs) or like no they're wearing skirts like a like a kilt almost situation like it's like a skirt or something um and that was interesting i i was like i i have a memory of this wow um and then that dumb shakespearean costume that q wears that for whatever reason was i think the strongest memory i had and like how stupid he sounds he's giving that <laughs> particular spiel cuz he's doing it in like an old like a approximation of old english.
0: Yeah, so I just remember it being sort of ridiculous and it didn't even look as good as the even season 3 episodes did. Just all of it no. was just slightly not yeah, it was not what the show would become. And now I think that means that just opens us up to spend more time talking about sort of our general thoughts about the next generation i'll start it's amazing that the show became what it did and and affected the hip pop culture and it's in our hearts forever it, just watching this first episode you never would have expected that
2: no no <laughs> i am literally shocked but this first of all it's a two-hour episode do, do we know did it air back to back on the same night or was it oh it aired
0: as a two-hour episode oh two-hour premiere
2: god with commercials. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. Um I don't know what it was up against that night, but I I think it got like 23 million views or something like that. Something crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean and it floated with start times. I'm sure it started as early. Maybe there was something in the contracts where it had to be in prime time. But I can remember at least Deep Space Nine at some point, some stations would have it on airing at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So like, who knows when it was actually, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when people sat down to watch it and it wasn't like, and there was no DVR technology. And so people were savvy enough to be taping a program and watching it later. It just seems unlikely. It means they were catching it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, like I would love to have seen like the deep um, Nielsen numbers, or you can see when people tune out. Like, did they have a drop off <laughs> after the first after the first hour, or no? Um, yeah, because this is not a. Hopefully, we're not spoiling this, but this is not a great example of the next generation at all.
0: Not at all. And no, it but bad it,
2: reviews too, and yeah. deservedly so.
0: It has. I mean, this is something we will get into. There's a lot of stuff that sticks, though. For all yeah, the stuff that there's doesn't, a lot of that, stuff yeah,
2: that it lays the track for a lot of great stuff. But how would you have known that? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a what I'm
0: saying. Yeah, there would have there, you could not have seen that coming from just this episode. And obviously, people going, "How can you? know, this is the stuff we can't get into too much detail on. We want to keep these episodes brief. But you could talk about the history of of the next generation, the fan reaction. You know, how can you do something beyond Kirk and Spock and all that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just <laughs> um, ultimately the show winds up breaking through and becoming a cultural phenomenon. Become it, it hits in the pop culture and Kirk versus Picard becomes a, a big thing. And this syndicated television show it sort of uh, revolutionized tele uh, syndication mm-hmm. as a as a model where you could drop new stuff in there. It didn't just have to be repeats. It, it it really did blow things up in a in a surprising way. All positives, um, you know. And then it also, more importantly, it's it inspired me to get into entertainment. It, it was the it, it captured my imagination. It captured my interest. You know, I started paying attention to crew positions, who was writing the episode, what that could maybe tell you about what the episode was going to be. And I don't think we can overstate how much of an impact this made. There are people. Our contemporaries, you know, showrunners, producers, they're all influenced by this. Damon Lindelof said, like, I ripped off Next Generation, the finale for for the constant. Like, it's a thing. You know, Kevin Feige, you know, huge Next Generation fan. That definitely influenced, um, you know, the Avengers, especially Endgame it's just wild to think about that, that basically the spin-off of <laughs> a show that ran for 79 episodes that went into syndication, wasn't even a network show. Yeah. Nobody wanted uh, it. No. And it looked cheap except yeah. for the, you know, except for like the model effects, the, the, the shots of the enterprise, you know, all that stuff looked okay, but
2: it really did look and like ILM through all that too. Yeah. Like that yeah. The money on like it used recently from the films yes which maybe maybe that was like a positive though because people were like oh yeah i know this
0: i think there's an element of that for sure that there was some continuity and look and all that now and this is like tipping
2: something other than the enterprise too that would have not gone over well i think or i think that's a good point too. A, a yeah strong connection and also calling it the next generation meaning like it's not a reboot we're not replacing anybody like these people existed in, in the same timeline as the timeline as the show.
0: Yeah. And maybe now's the time to get into all those particulars real quick, but I really wanted to just get a sense of, you know, why do you love it or what, what captivated you? What captured your,
2: I think it was just like, it's just so freaking cool. Like (laughs) it's futuristic. Like being able to beam places is really cool. Um, Having like the little communicator is cool. I mean, now we can just do that like on our Apple Watches or whatever. But at the time, you couldn't. Um, like seeing, like doing video chat with everybody all the time, like no matter how like uh, you know uh, what's what I'm looking, like adversarial uh, they are. You can like it's just all really cool and like all the stuff in engineering is cool. Like they can go so fast and go so many places it's just cool.
0: And it, there was just nothing like it on TV. I think this was something we pointed out before, you know, sort of the premise of this show originally was thirty, forty, thirty. So when you didn't have a lot to watch and star Trek was on, it's like, I'll watch the bad ones because yeah. there's really nothing else that's like it. And it's, it kind of created a market for similar type shows. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, Hercules and Xena are the direct result of this oh, yeah. being so popular in syndication, uh, that that kind of thing, that kind of impact that it had where it it was sort of a pre-streaming revolution in TV and what, you know, what other markets, what other avenues there were. So,
2: And also like in terms of visually, like the colors are bright, things light up. So like if you're a kid, it's very appealing as well like even that's if true in the and... overall story you're not really getting it but like you like the characters because like the characters are very distinct at least on the next generation they're very distinct and they have very like set characteristics so it's like oh I like this character I like that character this character does that kind of stuff and so it's easy like for a kid to watch it and be like oh yeah uh is really cool like like it's like if you have a certain interest as a kid like there's a character on star trek who probably has something similar going on and also there's a kid on star trek who flies the ship and although wesley i crusher. wonder how
0: many kids yeah i wonder how many kids actually identified with wesley crusher or aspired to be wesley crusher though yeah i think it was like negative 12 so
2: yeah but like it's still like oh in the future <laughs> kids can do cool stuff yeah going can have jobs in <laughs> the future now you you've
0: seen the this is a part of the podcast that i want us to have every so often is how close have you come to touching star trek mm-hmm. you know like to touch the creator so you know i've worked for shatner that was cool but mm-hmm. i think you had a story where you saw everyone in the bar once not everyone
2: so I, I was racking my brain because it seems so implausible that i have not even been to so much as like a panel discussion or a screening or something like that, where someone from Star Trek was there. And I seriously cannot remember ever doing that. And that's surprising to me. Um, But we once went, we were invited to go see, um, so Patrick Stewart's wife is a um, musician and singer or singer songwriter. And so she invited us to go see a show of hers and we went. We talked to her, and then like Jonathan Frakes was also there. That's it, <laughs> and like maybe no. some other people, but that was it. There's no. You like...
0: saw the big. You saw the big two. That's great. Well, Patrick
2: Stewart was not there.
0: Oh, he was not. <laughs> he was it was just working. his wife. Yeah, I see. No. Just so not... <laughs> so, no. All right, you were you were Stewart adjacent. Yeah. Okay. That was it. It is always weird when you see them sort of in real life. And of but... course,
2: I did not go up to him because I don't do that. No. because I'm.
0: Oh, I don't I'm do not... that either.
2: Yeah. So like, I have a thing where I um. I just don't do that. <laughs> I just don't do it. Much to the chagrin of some people I'm with, like I'll stop people from bothering famous people.
0: We, leave them alone. It, yeah, We're like, all uncomfortable, right?
2: like, oh, <laughs> name your most mundane celebrity interaction. Like I don't interact with them. Like I see so many famous people. I never speak to them. You know why? Because they, they don't want me to. Yes, that's right. Me to, I have, I have <laughs> spoken to famous people when I need to speak to them. If, if I have a piece of information they need i'm all there or if they say hi great but
0: if they're at ralph's checking out a cantaloupe oh God, just the, die. not the time die. yeah <laughs> <I
2: would die. laughs> oh, oh. um i'm trying to think like who you'd see at ralph who does their own grocery shopping so oh, i literally
0: that's literally the context with which i saw steve carell
2: oh he's still wow when when was this he still does his own grocery shopping so
0: this was season probably season two was oh, just starting okay. or season three of the office maybe it was that I he was wearing a hat I bet he doesn't like, do his
2: own grocery shopping at, now
0: and then I think I'm cool and I can keep it cool. But based on the, every time I've made eye contact with celebrities in public, it, it's clear my eyes give away that I'm recognizing with
2: them. I once and I, I just like walked away. <laughs> I, just, I just continued on my way. I wasn't going to stop and be like, oh, my God, RuPaul. But I did like, once I got back to my desk, I was like, oh, my God, everyone, guess who I just saw in the lobby but i digress
0: <laughs> yes we, we both digress but for good reason
2: yeah just leave them alone no just like there's some people who claim like oh they really like it and i think in the if it's in the right context like if they're in a like if you're at a meet and greet sure tell them how much you meant to them or like some other situation like that like don't go up to them while they're in the middle of a conversation i think
0: i think the thing is don't force it yeah and, and, and how do you do that? I acknowledge for everyone else, they might have their own threshold, their own limits, but essentially deny yourself until you just seem ridiculous denying yourself. Mm-hmm. But if it's just something where you're sitting with yourself and that person's not even looking at you and you're not even near them, that is the time to deny it.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and even if they make eye contact with you, still deny it.
2: Yeah. Like if, you, if you're you at the stage, Fine. They expect that, like say yes. hi, like and yeah. I mean like the stage door like at a theater. I don't mean like uh, some like a bar
0: named the stage door. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <My physical voice. laughs>
0: so a modern parallel that I need to point out before we get into the specifics: the Next Generation, the theme, the, the theme music of Star Trek: The Next Generation, is the theme music for Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah, it's important to remember. That when Star Trek went off the air in, in 69, then there was just the animated show, which has like a groovy 70s remix of the original series theme. That's great. But then uh, Jerry Goldsmith has like one of the best film scores ever made for the motion picture. And it introduces a new theme. And guess what? That became the theme that people associated with Star Trek in, oh. the, in the 80s. And then there were all the movies. So when you get to the next generation, they basically did what House of the Dragon has done. They just stole the valor yeah. of the thing everyone knows and popped it in there.
2: <laughs> I yeah, it's great. Why? Why not? Also, you think they could hire a new guy to write something? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> that, yeah, that's
0: a fair up. point. We're not going to do better than Jerry Goldsmith. No. Then there's a bunch of Gene Roddenberry stuff, but that's going to come in right here now. Let's get into those specifics with factoids, that kind of thing. Do you have about Encounter? At okay,
2: Park. well, um, it was originally pitched. That Deanna Troy would have three tits.
0: <laughs> okay, Aliens and Total Recall definitely had a big influence on the development of this yes. show. Hundred percent.
2: I cannot tell you how glad that someone, but cooler heads prevailed, <laughs> and they said, "No, let's not do that," <laughs> because how could you possibly take her seriously?
0: I mean, it's hard to get through the pilot with her as the as she call as uh, Marina Sirtis calls it the cheerleader uniform yeah
2: imagine <laughs> that but three tits
0: <laughs> the three-titted alien from total recall is in the next generation she's in season two Oh, she's lieutenant sonia gomez or ensign sonia gomez in two episodes if if it's not jumping to anyone's mind right now she's in the Borg. It's the first time we meet the borg she's in that episode she spills hot chocolate on captain picard's uniform only in engineering breasts, she's I so find. nervous What's that? Only Only two breasts. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I just, it's stuck in my mind.
2: You don't have your aliens have three tits.
0: Right. Yes. Humanity (laughs) is too immature. It's a
2: comedic effect only. And I feel like that's fine to an extent.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness. Q didn't judge humanity for their uh, reaction to three breasted beings.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) like, Oh my God. I can't imagine like, Oh, and also, another factoid, this pilot took almost a month to film, which is long.
0: Yeah. It's a, a little bizarre. Yeah.
2: Especially one with very little, if I guess the only location she would have been like the Holodex scene, right? If that's even one. Holodex,
0: right. And then also for the, um, the jellyfish, they just used the same, literally the same hallway to go back and forth with did yeah. you notice that
2: <laughs> yeah so like, it's, so, like, it's like, like <laughs> none of it is like expensive location or like you know logistical location shoots
0: that's principal photography you're talking about it's not yeah. even like filming the model work for the city and the um, enterprise and all it that said stuff? That
2: they began filming at one time and then it wrapped around like almost a month later
0: wild wild It certainly doesn't seem like they took a month shooting that.
2: Yeah, it didn't get into like, oh, then we shot the models for two weeks or something. I don't know. You believe it? I actually looked up factoids. It's amazing. For me, I'm proud of myself.
0: You picked (laughs) out, you definitely led off with the most Kristen. (laughs) This
2: is the uh, the hard-hitting analysis and facts that you come here for.
0: That's exactly, yeah. People do come here for news. And (laughs) I'm going to give them some news I would recommend the 50-Year Mission book that Mark Altman and Ed Gross wrote. Uh, it's basically an oral history of Star Trek, and it's, it covers uh, all the series, I think, up to Enterprise. Maybe it touches on the new ones. I can't remember now. But if you just read the Next Generation one, the original series one obviously has a bunch of wild stories. When you read that, you can get a supplemental with this documentary that William Shatner did. I think 10 years ago called chaos on the bridge and you can watch it for free on YouTube. And it's less than an hour. It's, it's actually less than an hour. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it's, it talks all about the launch of the next generation and it does go a little bit more into like season two or three and, and, you know, all the struggles to get it on the air and then everything involving Gene Roddenberry, it, it, when you watch that, and more if you watch that. When I read the book, the book had some extra stories as well. It was all just very gross. So if you don't, if you don't have much interest or familiarity with Hollywood, you'll get some very Hollywood stories. And the whole thing is super duper gross. Getting this thing on air, you know, Gene Roddenberry got pushed aside for the movie franchise essentially. So when Paramount started sniffing around again about doing another TV show, he saw it as his chance to basically reclaim his baby, mm-hmm. and and really took advantage, you know, people may not know this. Gene Runbury was an airline. Uh, he, f- he flew in Korea, I think, or he was a pilot. He also flew uh, commercial airlines, but he was also a cop. Yeah. And so he's, he used his size and his cop training to was bully people guy? and get what he wanted. He, I think he was a tall guy. He was certainly bigger than a lot of like the execs actor, right? that he would pick on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think, So he was really, he had a huge chip on his shoulder that he developed during Star Trek and you read about it. And it's, I think it's really easy for all of us to be like, Oh yeah. The network executives F those F those guys and all that stuff. But it's like, he kind of crossed the line quite a bit. And he Mm -hmm. kind of, the way he thumbed his nose was very sort of, he's used to getting his own way. And then when he doesn't, he's a bully and he bullies his way into getting it. And in the next generation, it's that plus he has got the bigger chip from, not being able to develop something outside of Star Trek, also being pushed aside for the Star Trek movies, and then also getting older. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, it's interesting, like, Picard and Riker and Crusher and Wesley Crusher, they're sort of these... They're the super ego ego and the id, essentially, for Gene Roddenberry. Um, And so... When you but when you watch when you get that you get a lot of weird background you can it makes a lot of sense why yeah. it's a really sloppy pilot it's just all it's it's got it's like nuts.
2: yeah it's too many it's way too many cooks in the kitchen this did not need to be two hours it goes on and on it's people running in hallways yeah it's, it's very Scooby Doo in that way
0: yeah the two hours it started as a one hour and then when it got expanded to two that's when you know Ron Berry had invited DC Fontana in to write it and it was an hour that was her understanding and so it got i don't know if he convinced them to expand it to two or paramount just because they wanted it to be star trek's back on tv and maybe i think maybe they were talking about launching another network again star trek and launching a network has been a thing Mm. it took until voyager for it to finally happen yeah but then when that didn't happen they had the idea of let's do syndication which was a really smart it it worked out for everybody Mm um but it got expanded and then Roddenberry saw an opportunity to get in there. And so literally the encounter at Farpoint, the Far Point stuff, that's all DC Fontana, and literally all the Q stuff is Gene Roddenberry. Ah. And and you know, you can kind of if you know that and you go back and rewatch it, you can definitely tell what it's like. Okay, Gene Roddenberry's taking his dick out.
2: Yeah. He's like, rubbing
0: it all over the script. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: like there's yeah, like having a character, introducing a character like Q. In a pilot is a strange choice, but also one, only someone with like a massive ego who wants to fuck around with something would do it or an idiot either way.
0: <laughs> and I think he's kind of both. But as we <laughs> talked about in uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, you know, Gene Roddenberry probably feels like I missed out on starting a religion.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he,
0: he, he basically took what those teachings <laughs> would have been regret. and poured them.
2: <laughs> My one regret and not banging more of the the female cast
0: (laughs) so he poured a lot of that religious religiosity i think into the next generation he had been because you know star trek it afforded him speaking engagements he became a futurist like sort of a brand name Mm -hmm. sort of the walmart of futurism in a lot of ways i
2: i feel like he was very like well at least seemed like he was very well respected like around the time of the next like after the next generation had been on quite a while like people are like, oh, yeah, like he's a serious producer or whatever. And I don't even know if that's true.
0: Yeah. And then you go now. Um, that's why I urge people to go watch Chaos on the Bridge. <laughs> and it's like, ah, well, and then you read the oral history and all that stuff. I, I think it's definitely one of those things where he, he had his, you know, he's a person. He was a human being. So he had his good qualities and his tough qualities. And, you know, the next generation, it's been said the reason why one of the reasons why it didn't just continue on with Kirk and Spock. Was because if he started it as the next generation, he didn't have to take any of that money that he made from it and give it to his ex wife from okay. their divorce settlement. So, you know, just stuff like that. So, oh, nice. it, it, all right, let's get into the actual episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: 30 minutes. And Brett, and...
0: right yeah, before we get into the grade, so I do want to say one thing about this specific episode. I think the episode, first of all, you said it took a month to shoot. We've talked about. It was a difficult birthing process to get this story. I don't even know how they landed on the story. But also, there's not a lot of quality control in the script. I just want to point this out. In the first three and a half minutes of the episode, they give away the ending.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Picard says, You will agree, Data, that Starfleet's orders are difficult. And Data says, Difficult? Simply solve the mystery of Far Point Station. And Picard says, As simple as that Far Point Station. Even the name sounds mysterious, says Troy. And then Picard says, it's hardly simple data to negotiate a friendly agreement for Starfleet to use the base, while at the same time snoop around finding how and why the life form there built it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And as a piece of information that Picard then does not tell anyone else about who who is trying to figure this out. Cause it's a mistake. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a mistake. Exactly. Right. Um, it's it, whereas I was complimenting the quality of the previous pilots as an excellent example of, of pilot writing, even today in a lot of ways, I would not hold this one. No.
2: As an example of amazing no, pilot no, 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 writing. No, no, no,
0: no, no. All right, let's get into it. Let's do the grades.
2: All right. First up, great scenes.
0: I, I put the first trial scene, except for the stuff with Tasha Yar.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Um, I'll get more into Tashayar later, but
0: yeah, I think like the sort of the rest of the cast, the the actors are going hundred and fifty percent, and uh, and it's and the writing is not helping them either, and it's it's just conveying the drama is coming from uh, exposition or explaining a character, but all the other stuff about sort of the trial of humanity. So you didn't like the costumes
2: and the, the background are just too much for me on this one. It is distracting. And like the, the folly artists and like all all the ADR that they must've done. Oh,
0: Oh, see, we, in my rush to just get into the grades, I skipped over a lot of general stuff, but yeah, the production of this, it's not even like a well-produced thing. The sound is recorded very strangely. I can't believe we hear all those glottal stops. And, like, uh, the the lip smacking, maybe I'm, maybe, what's that condition called where you're just sensitive to people's noises, misophonia or something? Yeah, I don't, maybe know. I I'm don't just...
2: remember the name of it, but I know you're talking about, like, people who, like, if you shoot with your mouth open, you want to die. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. and and like the way picard it's the first season problem where picard will be like like you can hear him swallowing at the the end of his lines
2: asmr anyone who's unfamiliar so like instead of you going like oh i get tingles it's like you want to it's not even um nails on chalkboard like you just it's so annoying you want to die
0: i'm sure it has something to do with where they could place the the body mics what those are lav mics, right? Uh, on those, on the, on the leotards, on the spandex uniforms that they're wearing. I'm sure there were some issues there. So it created weird sound problems and they had to sort that all out. But yeah, the episode sounds weird. I agree. But I, I liked the, 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 the post atomic horror setup. You know, basically it's Gene Roddenberry taking his own idea and saying, well, hold on. I need an addendum here. <laughs> maybe the future will get better eventually. But until then, I think at this point living through the, all these Reagan years, I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a nuclear war mm-hmm. and there's, you know, people are going to be reduced to peasants again and it's going to be authoritarianism. The
2: drugged and, up um, cops. You know, the, yeah. They're going to sniff. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: They're going to have the, they're going to have fentanyl mist <laughs> and, uh, and just shooting everybody as a form of crowd control and, and, as remarkably when you're watching it when you're you know nine or ten it's like wow that's ridiculous and now it's like oh well, this is like tomorrow yeah. and i thought it was kind of overwritten legal stuff and the acting is really ten, you know kind of just fraught or overwrought i think that's the better word but i still kind of like the idea it did feel a lot like a star trek scene where the enterprise rolls up on a god and the god is basically saying humans suck yeah and they kind of have to talk about that's a
2: continuing theme throughout yes
0: yes do you have any uh what do you have a great scene yeah i thought
2: the saucer separation scene was really cool and also when um captain picard tells Riker to reconnect the saucer to the uh, what's the second part called
0: the drive section the The star drive drive. okay
2: (laughs) yes um but doing it manually i also thought that was cool too because like we had not i don't think seen that i don't think we see it much done with such detail ever again if we do it's not as long i don't think i don't really recall seeing it like that before
0: saucer so separation got used a lot in the first season and then i'm pretty sure after best of both worlds it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. um or until I feel like it does technically within, like, the
2: movie like it doesn't you don't see it in that kind of detail like how what, what it takes to actually reconnect it like manually I don't yeah remember and... doing that another time maybe they did
0: I feel like we were promised a lot more saucer separation and battle bridge than we wound up getting the rest yeah. of the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: We're like, Whoa, this is cool. They have a battle bridge.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a, again, Gene Roddenberry extravagance. One thing they talked about uh, was the design of the enterprise uh, being so round. And then mm. all the roundness in there, because like round means money, like it's expensive because mm. it costs a lot more to do rounded edges. So then like, roddenberry being so extravagant he's like this ship's gonna have two bridges we're gonna build two bridge
2: sets <laughs> well i think one was already existing from the films right
0: oh i'm sure they've they have repurposed mean, they were some they would have of, it yeah.
2: when it yeah. went to series but sick
0: bay is a total is the is the motion picture mm-hmm. sick bay
2: i thought like the battle yeah. bridge looked a lot very similar to stuff from the films but
0: it winds up becoming yeah. like a multi-purpose set also throughout yeah. the series, at least in the first couple of seasons. That it gets repurposed as other things. Famously, it was redressed for the courtroom in *Measure of a Man* and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, uh, I so following that, I have Picard and Riker's meeting in the observation lounge where yeah. Picard grills Riker about not letting him participate in away missions, which is basically uh, you know fifteen years of of fans chattering at conventions and through fanzines this is before the internet talking about like it's ridiculous that kirk would go down on every mission <laughs> yeah, like the captain li- right yeah literally his life is in danger every day
2: yeah so he said this <laughs> thing right there like i don't i didn't let captain DeSoto go down because it was pretty dangerous and yeah. that's how it's gonna be i like that
0: DeSoto and the hood sort of stuck around through a lot of the show mm-hmm. it, it was nice to it's just weird how much of the show of this pilot sticks for, you know, we've got
2: chief O'Brien chief O'Brien shows (laughs) up. O'Brien. Yeah. No, no con officer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even in the credits, he's not O'Brien. He's just dude. Yeah. Comms officer or whatever. Um, I also put, um, I did like the scene of now Admiral McCoy showing up and I do like that I did remember accurately that he was absolutely decrepit in this <laughs> in this episode. Yes. I remember saying that I don't know if it was our first episode or in our test episode but I was like he was like really decrepit wasn't he and then I I'm glad I was right. I I do remember recently
0: seeing maybe it was on Twitter maybe it was on trekcore.com where they had the sort of the makeup tests where they were trying the different versions of how old he would be. But yeah, I really like that scene too. It it worked I thought I thought it was fine. It was nice to have in there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, That's all I have for great scenes. I I like what happens at the end. I don't think any of the scenes Um, are particularly great, but I I like the reveal kind of
2: funny. I liked it when um, Riker was being offered fruit by um, Gopler Zorn and Groppler like, is the
0: title oh. it took me many years to realize that okay. is like it's basically like president or okay. or mayor mayor's it's grappler yes. um, and yeah.
2: and he's like he looks at the bullet from this well uh, i wish he had any apples like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and then of course apples show up um because the being that is far point station is trying to essentially alert i i think he's trying to like alert the enterprise that, oh hey, I'm a real thing. And they've kidnapped me and made me their slave.
0: Yeah, it could go either way, right? Because they're also torturing it. So yeah. He's like, ah oh, crap, I gotta really step it up. That that's funny that you pointed that out. That is true. He's being rude. Right, girl?
2: Like the whole <laughs> basket of like, we have your earth fruit and <laughs> bananas and such. And it's like, oh no apples. Yeah. Hmm.
0: <laughs> that's exactly what happens oh man um yeah uh, but i like the ending i i it's a perfectly star trek reveal where we find out that Point station is a is a jellyfish space a jellyfish really big
2: space jellyfish yes. Yes. that at times depending on the angle looks a little bit like a butthole
0: <laughs> it's uh worth pointing out that all this is happening on deneb 4 which yes. is the planet that uh
2: yeah, which we discussed a little bit.
0: Yes, Kirk and uh, Gary Mitchell, his good friend, were
2: just partying it up, it up on Deneb, on 4. Deneb yeah. 4. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the implication is sort of that Deneb 4, that the inhabitants of that world. You know, what would two futuristic Starfleet officers be doing there in that particular port, which isn't an mm-hmm. official start? Like they're not part of the Federation. And it, it's sort of implied by the old bandy town. So like the, the town out right outside the station that it's pretty run down. It doesn't you know what I mean? Like they have like a, a resource, but they don't have wealth or they don't have a lot of technology. They wear a lot of rags or, you know, so I, I wonder what Gary Mitchell and Kirk were up to. And on a yeah. Deneb four,
2: yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I have, some, I have some questions, especially knowing Gary Mitchell, especially right, right, he's probably up to no good. I'm, I'm guessing.
0: So the best Trek tropes, I, I'm stepping on you on you doing the worst Trek tropes for this moment. I kind of think that all the tropes that are in here are both good and bad tropes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's only because this is the first this episode establishes so many next generation specific tropes. You know, there's the, the first I'm going to put out point out the best Trek trope, uh-huh. which is the captain's log. This okay. is like one of the coolest captain's logs that mm-hmm. they do because it's used a great effect to open this brand new show. And, you know, we get our first shot of the Enterprise. But then, you know, and Picard steps out of the shadow and he's talking. He's just telling you what's going on, like what our mission is and what's going on. I think enormous size and complexity is just a funny line to take out of context. <laughs> he's in awe of its size
2: and complexity. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's in funny. Awe, the size of the lad, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is the Chris Christie of starships. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was a good captain's log. But anyway, yes. What do you have for best troops?
2: Um, well, I put Worf considering commanding the saucer section, abandoning his captain. Um, yes. Because it sets up, I'm a Klingon, in case you guys don't remember. <laughs> this is what Klingons are. And this is going to be a thing.
0: And that leads into, that sets up two tropes oh. for Next Generation. Okay, go ahead. Picard saying, you are a Starfleet officer. Mm-hmm. That was not something in the original series that they really got into, mm-hmm. I don't think. But you are a Starfleet officer. You have a duty, blah, blah, blah. That is the next generation thing. And then also smacking down Wharf. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately. Exactly right. Uh, data rattling off synonyms, mm-hmm. trying to understand something. Uh, Troy sensing something and looking to be on the verge of tears, which thankfully they actually kind of do get away from the where she's about to cry
2: yeah
0: but whatever she senses is as specific or non non non-specific as the episode or the scene demands
2: we also get um introduced to the holodeck
0: yeah that's a great point about the holodeck they're they're so surprised by the holodeck that it made me think that here's my theory about the holodeck they're on starships exclusively or maybe some other planets and bases too but it, to me, they seem more like a Starfleet thing because theoretically, or at least what we're told, Earth and Federation planets are sort of paradise like. Mm-hmm. So the idea of the holodeck would, it, this seems like something well suited for deep space long term travel. Yeah, that you would have this holodeck because they seem so completely surprised. Like Riker doesn't even know how it works.
2: Yeah, well, because they, <laughs> they said that the ship has more like new fangled technology that other people aren't really used to yet.
0: It is. They hadn't quite figured it out though, because Crusher comes Wesley comes out of the holodeck soaking wet. That that shouldn't have happened. So, (laughs) yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, I don't know if we also we also probably didn't need such a long scene in the holodeck. But Uh, I guess there are a lot of
0: scenes are way longer than they need to be. There's a lot of lingering reaction shots. It's Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the script was both overwritten and underwritten for time. Very strange. that's all i have for best trek tropes Mm -hmm.
2: so next is worst trek tropes buckle up (laughs) (laughs) touched on this last episode there's camera angles and cinematography when they try to brief Riker on what has transpired with q
1: and they just replay
2: what we've just seen on screen including like um i forgot his name but like the um the one of the ensign or whatever dropping down and like the low camera angle when we see his like face almost hit the floor um again <laughs> that bothers me this is going to be a continued thing we also had red alert in the first few minutes of the show but nobody called for it it just right. started it just happening. happened
0: automatically yeah
2: and then picard gets angry and then goes ah shut that goddamn noise off or whatever he says um i have it written down somewhere but yeah uh my sentiments exactly
0: I was gonna say, like, wow! No wonder you love Picard so much. He hates the red alert sound too. (laughs) So I wanted to come back to that they had Riker watch a recap of the first fifteen minutes Mm -hmm. of the episode. That's that was brutal.
2: (laughs) It was was absolutely
0: brutal. I'm like, I can't believe. You could
2: have been like, okay, go in there, uh, watch watch it off screen, and him coming
0: out. Wow, I can't believe it. Also, they had to contrive to not have Troy there so that we get the scene later
2: Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because that's
0: all it's like why isn't that happening there and that's probably because that's a roddenberry scene that got written in Mm. so he couldn't interrupt you know because that seems like a perfect moment for troy to be the one like they reunite and then she either tells him or they sit down together to watch and we cut away i don't know it's just bizarre uh smacking down wharf is, is it gets established here but not only is there i'm a klingon i should be serving with you instead of going to the battle bridge but he stands up to point and points the phaser at the view screen when q shows up on the screen and uh and Picard goes lieutenant do you intend to blast a hole in the viewer and it's just like why are we doing this to wharf we yeah we understand a we, yeah. idiot yeah um another one that's on the same in the same realm as the cinematography for the camera shots Mm -hmm. the captain's log that's just for the viewer who didn't watch the previous act and is coming in from the commercial break he's explaining exactly what's happening in the moment he couldn't have gone and recorded that so like this happens at the top of act two and picard tells us q's threat and then asks do we dare oppose it (laughs) it's like okay
2: (laughs) yeah like you guys i stopped in the middle of this confrontation to do a quick captain's
0: vlog. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm standing in the exact same <laughs> spot I was just in. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be
2: annoying. Don't worry.
0: Also, also they try to set up the Ferengi in this one mm-hmm. as being super evil and they define super evil as eating people, which is a, yeah. I guess maybe it's just a bad hacky sci-fi trope. Uh, no offense to Saturn award women winning uh strange new worlds, but they definitely hit that note pretty hard for a couple of their villains. Uh, um, and discovery actually discovery people. says yes. <laughs> uh, Zorn says, captain the Ferengi You would be very interested in a base like this. And Picard says, fine. I hope they find you as tasty as they did their past associates. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right. Yeah. Uh, any other bad ones?
2: No, I mean, I think so much is going to be covered in so many other categories.
0: <laughs> uh, Star Trek sexism, Troy, kind of yeah. saying if you should be hurt trying to stop him and then Riker gets super serious dad energy and goes you have your orders lieutenant yeah. he's he's so brutal to her he de-ranks her but again i think that's just sloppy <laughs> continuity with the script but card yeah, yeah, calls I don't troy commander I don't in the it's... first 2 minutes yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a lieutenant commander that's another thing that's stuck it, it doesn't have any effect on the show until disaster Remember when that one, when the Enterprise gets hit by a quantum filament and, and Troy's on the bridge for some reason, and she's got the <laughs> highest rank. So she's commanding O'Brien oh, and, and Ensign yeah. Row.
2: Our next grade is most of its time quality. What do you have?
0: I feel like I am just should let you go for the next few minutes. But basically, okay. I just put in all caps, the hair, the music.
2: Yeah, I put women in skirts, men in <laughs> skirts. O'Brien on the battle bridge, but no, with no name, which you have already talked about.
0: You think skirts are a, a distinctly 80s thing?
2: Well, it's just like the whole cut of everything. Like, it, well, most of oh, that's the are, cut. That's like OK. Say no more, 80s, fam. But yeah. Like early next generation, like they didn't really know what they were doing. They hadn't had figured it out what they were going to put anybody in, really. And they just kind of went for it with the skirts and the go-go boots. Like I think they were just like we didn't we don't know if we want to do all completely new costumes for every single like person from the original series. Like obviously it's not the same costume, but like the women were in skirts or dresses or whatever, and the men. Well, they had
0: William like, wear Tice, The mm-hmm. the actual costume from the original series come back and contribute as well. So there was definitely some overlap there. Um, it's tough because the of its time quality, it, it super duper looks and sounds like something from the 80s. Yeah.
2: And I would say, I don't know what the costuming on in the court scenes for the background actors, which I've already talked ad nauseum, but like a little bit less than culturally sensitive. Like I feel like they're borderline like gypsy ish or something, or, you know, not that that term is. I
0: correct, read it as sort of a generic rabble. Like, they're more supposed to be, like, peasants that you would find in, you know, like, King's Landing that are down on, you know. Yeah, but kind there's,
2: of... like, no, it seems like it's just a grab bag of, like, what costume. Oh, for sure, no. costume warehouse.
0: Yeah, that's just exactly that. right.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely that sensibility, for sure, was how they were able to produce this at all, was having, you know, big borrowing and stealing from a lot of things. Yeah, the of its time quality, I mean, it just looks... To me, it's just the way it looks like the actual texture, the lighting, the camera, the camera angles, the weird close ups, the zoom ins on people's faces as they're talking. Q saying something threatening and they do a pull in on him, but it's Mm -hmm. not like a gradual one. It's like an arch one and um, a lot of head nodding and and weird lingers. And I think the beige, the tan, that seems like also of its time, just the design of the bridge, the colors Mm -hmm. at least.
2: And like a lot of these things are changed, thank God. And yes. <laughs> so like, that should
0: be just a review of it, not this like, episode, indicative this
2: of the '80s or like the show that we all know and love. But like this very specific time and place. I'm gonna guess
0: spandex was also a very big '80s thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah so. Of course. Just the light idea breath. that spandex should be super Everything important. Everything is made exactly. of light. <laughs> all right, that brings us to the line must be drawn here best lines although i keep thinking about this category because i'm like everything else is from the shows and that's from the movie but it's such a good line it's so yeah. distinct it tells you what this grade is for um okay i really liked picard's i would appreciate it if you keep me from making an ass of myself for children.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i also liked would you object to your captain ordering a clearly illegal kidnapping um when they're like let's kidnap zorn i have
0: mccoy has three great lines Mm -hmm. troubles me what's so damn troubling about not having died (laughs) (laughs) well she's a good ship but she's got the right name you treat her like a lady and she'll always bring you home
2: yeah i have that one too um i also like it when um wesley crusher shows up on the bridge and then picard just screams what the hell children are not allowed on the bridge (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, he's like, okay, would you like a look around? Don't touch anything! Yeah. Um, <laughs> great scene, like, just goes from cold to hot. It's great.
0: Also, I like that Dr. Crusher knew the Captain's Palsy before. Yeah. Like, she's just brand new on the ship, and yet somehow she knew, listen, Pic- you know, Picard has few rules. Beyond time, no children
2: Yeah, <laughs> No, he doesn't... I didn't, you know, I don't remember picard having this much distaste for children
0: it's one of his few defining is characteristics yeah just to go back to that episode disaster that when he gets paired with those three kids who won the school contest well, yeah, it's, he's super uncomfortable
2: oh so, no uncomfortable is one thing but like openly hostile like, openly <laughs> they have to hostile. soften
0: that yeah they had to soften that i think a little bit
2: <laughs> like i yeah i know he was uncomfortable
0: I don't know the way I read it now. This watch, though, he was hostile to the idea that he had families on board.
2: Yeah, like he's like pretty hostile to Wesley Crusher for <laughs> no reason.
0: Well, so that's again messiness with the script because Wesley Crusher says on the planet to Riker that Picard was the one who brought home his dad's body,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and then Picard acts like he didn't know that Beverly had a son.
2: Yeah, he almost acts like, "Oh shoot, is this mine?"
0: Also, Jack Crusher is was like his friend, even <laughs> Roddenberry knew that. So it's like, so wait, you didn't know that he had a kid, but you wanted to bang his wife anyway because that that attraction predates the show it, yeah. it existed in that. so it's just weird,
2: yeah, it's a weird reaction, like your son. it's like, don't you remember him when you brought the dead body home? like <laughs> 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 Hello <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, i th- I think that's it for my lines, but. I mean, there's a lot of good have, ones, but I yeah, like the those are the ones that stood out for me.
0: I kind of like a lot of Q's stuff just because of the way it's delivered, which we'll get into in a minute. But I I uh, wanted to point out three lines that I really liked. And then I wanted to point out one segment that we need to talk about just a little bit because it's also kind of an of its time thing. Okay. OK, so the three I like data when they're on the attacking jellyfish ship says, <laughs> sorry, sir, I seem to be commenting on everything. (laughs) When he's just repeating back what we already know, but because TV audiences are dumb, I guess, and he had Mm. to restate what happens. This happens in network TV today, too. It's no less irritating when characters just repeat what we've seen. But Paramount shows seem to particularly have that thing. But I like that Data had that line, even though Data's all over the place in this episode, right? He's got emotions, He uses contractions.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's like shows some kind of like joy when he's on a holodeck with a breaker, and like, it's all over the place.
0: He makes a joke when they're fir- in the first court scene. He goes, good thing we are, we know the judge.
2: Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Data. Uh,
0: yeah. Q saying right before the whole ending unravels, I just liked him saying this. You should already know what you'll find there. Uh, or perhaps it's too adult a puzzle for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think this is kind of missing from modern, stuff because you're both trying to appeal to all ages and probably people our age aren't as mature as we probably ought to be in some cases. <laughs> but the, just the idea of calling something out as not being adult or the character is not being mature enough. I, I like that. Um it was a it was a good way of Q antagonizing versus what he kind of does sometimes later in the series. Anyway, and then this is a famous line. Troy on uh, crying, saying, "Sir, wonderful! A feeling of great joy oh, yeah. and gratitude. <laughs> great joy and gratitude from
2: both of them. from both of them. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> and that folds us back in. The, but we, I had to put it. It's a great line. I think about it all the yeah. time. When, especially when I think about this episode, it's funny. It's, it's it kind of perp- perfectly encapsulates sort of the earnest mess that this pilot episode <laughs> is." <laughs> Uh, but then, just I wanted to run that, run this back into the first scene with Riker and Troy, and then Picard's like, "Oh, you two have met before."
2: Uh, first oh, of all, yeah, I need to like, point it out. So obvious! Oh my god! Like, yeah. you're just like, oh. <laughs> right. like birds should have shown up or something.
0: Yes, and this is just ripping off uh, Decker and Ilea from the motion picture. Oh, you know, okay. it's like it's just that storyline ported over. Uh, so Picard goes, have the two of you met before? And Riker says, we have, sir. Picard, excellent. I consider it important for my key officers to know each other's abilities. And then they step into the turbo lift and Troy looks at Riker longingly and she goes, we do, sir. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, they've been all up in each other. They know yeah. each other. Oh, we know. Well. <laughs>
2: yeah. All the abilities. I just thought it was like
0: i don't even think that's a great line i just wanted to point out how funny it is and, yeah. and john luke picard having to you know patrick Stewart having to play oblivious i mean
2: it's a little uh, like yeah i mean it's so <laughs> it's so heavy-handed though that it's like comical like yes.
0: oh,
2: we do <laughs> we mean sex
0: and then the music is so that that's yeah, why well, i put the music, it's just the music like
2: music changes and it's just like it, yeah it's it's, it's melodramatic
0: soap opera yes exactly
2: the Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. I struggled with this one um, because I think there's actually a lot of good performances here because they're just really doing the best they can with the material. But I don't know if I really have one that is... I mean, I think Patrick Stewart does a great job. I mean, he he's playing the hell out of it. Um, they haven't really figured out what Picard... Like, Picard yet. But I feel like he's doing his best he can.
0: So Picard... Surrenders, cries and says guilty, and then says, "I'll do whatever you say." <laughs> Those are the three, like the three moments where he's pressured. He folds like a Frenchman. That's <laughs> yeah. Three, surrenders, <laughs> and I don't know if that was intentional. If that was old man Roddenberry channeling his super ego, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know what was going on there. But yeah, that's stuff like to that play. Character
2: was all over the place yeah the writing for it
0: this plan makes no sense no so we're we're gonna try to surprise this omnipotent being that can surround us instantly i'm gonna try to surprise them by not texting you know what i mean like we're not gonna let anyone know we're doing this and they're just gonna go to warp and then i'm gonna do something that is not possible and separate the ship at warp nine i don't even know how that's possible it's, yeah. <laughs> using the terms of star trek like it shouldn't be possible
2: yeah and then they're like And Dave's like, well, it's possible. (laughs) Like then, like okay, (laughs) fine. Like a lot of things are possible. Data, right? Yeah, technically,
1: theoretically,
2: theoretically, yeah. They're like, it's never been done. Well, theoretically, uh, it's possible. (laughs) Like,
1: yeah.
0: The glottal stop for Patrick Stewart maybe was weighing too much on me. I'm not sure. But his performance, I don't think he had figured out the character yet. I understand what you're saying. He looked like him. Yeah. What I I mean, mean, and he would he would have the authority occasionally and it would kind of come and go. But the performance to me, it didn't, you know, Patrick Stewart easily gives. 50 or 60 other great. Yeah, uh, he gives 100 great performances in the next generation. Uh, I just don't think this is one of them. Yeah,
2: I'm having just a hard time with this one. I mean, I I have two. I have two. Okay.
0: I think John Delante is fucking great as Q. Yeah. This Q is the same Q later on.
2: Yeah. It doesn't change. You're right. And, and he
0: modulates his emotions. He has to do different voices. He has to sort of behave differently, but always being a threat. And I think his performance, the pitch of it, sort of the intensity of it or the melodramatic, shakespearean because this is star trek nature of it i thought he nailed it and i thought deforest yeah. kelly did a great job yeah that was my other one deforest kelly because he had to he had to be mccoy but then he had to modulate it to be like okay mccoy when he's 137 and so all he did was like well i grew up in georgia so this mm-hmm. is how the all the really old men in georgia sound
2: yeah he kept calling <laughs> data boy yeah and his accent was super thick super and, thick uh, <laughs> yeah
0: but I yeah. like that. I like that he made that choice and he understood mm-hmm. like I'm playing super old Dr. McCoy here.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I struggle with this, I think, because I don't really like the character of Q that much because he's annoying to me. Mm. Like, I like the character, but I think he was supposed to be pedantic and annoying.
0: And he's in this one kind of a lot.
2: Yeah. Like in a way that's
0: it gets in the way kind of. Yeah, I could see that.
2: But yeah, I mean, you're right. He is very good at it.
0: There's not a scene that he's in that I'm I'm trying to get through. You know what I mean? Like I'm not struggling to get through. That brings us to the Shatner. Mm-hmm. Now remember, the Shatner is not necessarily bad acting, just means going for it. Mm-hmm. But if it is bad acting, if you just want to leave it at that, so be it. But
2: yeah. <laughs> uh you know, I gotta give it to my girl Tasha Yar. <laughs> <laughs> she was going for it there were a lot of choices made
0: she was trying to definitely make her mark
2: <laughs> yeah she's like i want to be a part of this main cast <laughs> and here i go so
0: that's the only one you're giving it to you're only No no no
2: no so i mean the courtroom scene <laughs> altogether okay um she's like zorn like all the all the people in farpoint station what the fuck was going on there like the merchants (laughs) everything
0: they had like weird pale makeup that they were supposed to look sickly i think and
2: like blank yeah they're all like blank expressions on their faces and it's just weird
0: uh you go ahead (laughs) i have this the whole main cast
2: the whole main cast you thought they were all just
0: i thought they were all the script was so messy You know what I mean, and the emotions that they had to play. You know, I don't think this was a well directed episode visually, so I can't imagine director to actor. And then you've also got Paramount, their own people. You've got Roddenberry. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you said, a lot of cooks in the kitchen.
2: Troy is all over the place. She's a weepy mess the whole time. Data's all over the place. Uh, Lavar Burton's fine. Yeah, they didn't really. Jordy's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah,
0: and and I think Michael Dorn is
2: what's that I think Riker' is more or less fine like
0: oh no no I have a specific really? event okay. I, the scene the scene uh when they've reconnected the ship and then Riker is talking to Picard about well the geothermal energy on this planet is is intense it's like obviously it's a benefit and they could use it but not for what we are seeing and then Picard's like oh and maybe this would explain some of the magical stuff you saw and then the way that it's played is Riker's like, those events did happen, sir. Oh, <laughs> it's just yeah. super good. It's just like, he's kind of weirdly intense or just kind of, um, it, it's just not a great oh. performance in that moment. And, and he doesn't have a lot of authority throughout. That's that's all, but all of them have moments. It's like, a, it's like a mixing board, right? They're just trying to figure out the right levels. Yeah, like, And I, I
2: can't possibly fault the actors because we've seen and most of them at least do like really good work so they had like, to go for it. They had like, yeah, they just, yeah, this is the pilot. We don't know if we're going to get picked up to series. Uh, go for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. You had to go for it. But I, I, for that reason though, I just threw the whole main cast there, but yeah, I guess pulling it out of there is LeVar Burton go really going for it in a way. That's like, what's going on here. This is a big choice. Probably mm-hmm. not. Michael Dorn, probably the same thing, mm-hmm. but they do have that, that thing where he has to keep pushing the console away and stand up. It happens four times. He does, I think, three of the four times. Or no, no, he does two of them, and then Data does one with the snooping, and the ensign who gets frozen does it as well. And it's like, ah, it's it's so annoying. It's like so over the top. Like it's all just over the top. They're being directed to do things very big.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But I mean, Tasha Yar, come on,
0: she. Oh, for yeah, she. And then when she gets her big moment in the courtroom, yeah, that's why I said it's Uh, like I like the whole courtroom scene except for what
2: are you doing? Oh it's too much
0: we get her backstory and she she decides i'm the security officer but i'm gonna put us i'll put all of our lives in danger right now yeah. by, by expressing my trauma
2: in open court so, <laughs> yeah, it always goes well that's it, right throughout all, all human history if you get up there and you like <laughs> and you just like let pour your whole heart out it always goes well always well,
0: that makes me wonder, what do you think? Is is Q right? Are, are human beings a grievously savage species? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think so.
2: You know, like people, uh, dolphins and like house cats are the only ones who like hunt for fun.
0: There were just weren't enough specifics, though, of of how humans have gotten better. It just kind of hand waved. Yeah. Picard saying like, yeah, but we're better now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll we'll figure that out later
0: right we get picked up for a series uh about the grappler zorn guy that guy has been at he does a lot of uh voice work that he Mm -hmm. that's what he mostly does but he reminded me of two people like i thought he was somebody somebody more famous i guess i'm sorry to use that word it's not i think his name is michael bell it's not a it's not a dick on him at all he's playing almost an arch villain Right. And he's being directed in a way where even the moments where he's not being, sh- you know, not having to be an arch villain, he has to act shady in like a way that's so obvious. Uh, but he kind of was a combination of Mark Rylance. I couldn't get that out of my head. And then uh, <laughs> Lord Qyburn, the the weirdo that worked for Cersei and brought the mountain back to life. Oh yeah. So it was like he—I thought he was one of those two guys, oh. but he doesn't have an accent. But it's just like he kind of looked like that Weasley kind of guy. It was good. It was good casting, although his wig—that hair—was very distracting. Oh, and then when, they, when he's on, on the that.
2: bridge, it's such a juxtaposition, like a strange juxtaposition. Yes. And like this guy looks like he, like he did walk off of a movie set and walked into the wrong set. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Like he's on the back lot, and they're like, "Hey, you coming in?"
0: they save so much money from renting instead of making a custom
2: no yeah so my um (laughs) stepmom used to do wardrobe for tv shows and films and there's a big costume warehouse almost on like every lot that you can just go and rent clothes and if you don't want to have to you know buy or make any new ones and that's absolutely where they got most of the costumes what part of this are they teaching at starfleet academy I'm going to say they're going to teach everyone that Q exists and he's a huge pain in the ass.
0: Yes, that's a good one. I think, I think that's reference in Voyager.
2: Oh, that that they are, that they do talk about it.
0: It's either Voyager or Deep Space Nine. But I, you know, I think in Deep Space Nine, when Q shows up that there's reference to that as well. Um, I have, that's a good one. Yes, absolutely. And oh, and definitely in Picard, they talk about it as one of Picard's. Many accomplishments of making first contact is one of, one of those is making contact with the first contact with the Q continuum. That's definitely yeah. a reference. I have that they they will teach the mechanics of high warp saucer separation since it is hmm. now actually possible. Very possible and pretty easy, actually.
2: Yeah, it seemed like a breeze. <laughs> yeah. No problems whatsoever. It happened. Everyth- everyone <laughs> is still alive.
0: I I wonder what they'll teach in terms of uh, unidentified vessels coming into orbit. Sometimes they could be alive.
2: Sometimes they're just looking for their lover.
0: That's right. (laughs) Never discount the romantic angle.
2: You won't know until the last second.
0: (laughs) And finally, before we get to our final grade, how would the predecessor captain resolve the conflict? So how would Captain Kirk or how would the original series because it actually is predecessor captain/show slash show. Mm-hmm. how would they resolve this conflict this is hard because i have never been able i cannot remember seeing the the trelaine episode of the original series more than once and i cannot for the life of me remember the res- resolution to the squire of gothos but trelaine is you know q is basically Trelane. dc fontana says as much that's mm-hmm. why she was super annoyed that both Roddenberry hijacked her credit and, you know, split the payment or like, ate, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's going to get royalties, too, now. <laughs> so yeah. it ate into the royalties. And then he just inserted a character they'd already done before in the original series. Uh, but in that one, I seem to remember, his parents came for him and scolded him. And I'm trying to I try to put myself in the position of Kirk having to deal with the same situation. I got to be honest, I couldn't. I don't think he would have surrendered. I think, I think he would have just done something that Q pulled him into the courtroom. I think you, yeah. oh, he would have hit him. Sorry, he I want to make it clear. Kirk would have punched, yeah, he would have punched Q at some point.
2: Did a karate <laughs> chop and a punch. Yeah. Yeah. He also would have boarded the jellyfish himself to look around, yes. to do the Scooby Doo investigation.
0: That's right. And Spock would have been Troy, he would have been sensing. A lot the of feelings stuff. of the thing. Yeah, there's a little bit of devil in the dark in, in this yeah, I think, episode as well. so you
2: think so. Spock would have figured it out a little bit sooner, though?
0: Well, that's a tough part about the original series because <laughs> most of the time, it seems like they'd figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Any other parts of that that you want to jump in on?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was having a hard time, too. Like, I mean, other than like the little details of those things, I don't really know. It's hard because this is such a convoluted story and there's so yes. many moving parts and i'm like i don't know <laughs> i just can't i can't i don't know
0: yeah exactly it's it's basically it has the devil in the dark thing and then it has um where you find out this potentially something is not what it seems to be and it's actually benign or or could be friendly you mm-hmm. just have to treat it decently and then the other element is then there's a child like god that's although
2: you, since so. he's already been to deneb 4 he might be like something's fishy going on here when i came here last it was just a bunch of whores <laughs> and how they get that's great because they kept talking about like this is the most fabulous s- station we've ever seen it's so advanced and so beautiful and he'd be like what the where the f- did this come from
0: oh that's perfect that's exactly this is exactly why i'm glad we have this crate in here so <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: I was exactly here with right. my best bud slash not best bud gary mitchell but and... they
0: find a tree in old town that's got like gm yeah. and uh jk
2: yeah like, hmm, <laughs> how did they get this really nice station here i think that he would have figured out like really quickly him and spock would have put it together really quickly because of his previous experience with these uh at the time probably peasants i guess <laughs> Uh, okay. will,
0: will that influence your final grade here? Trek, marry or kill? Encounter at Farpoint?
2: No, uh, kill. It's a horrible <laughs> episode. Me making a a tenuous little connection does not make this a good episode.
0: You retroactively made it a good episode if it had been in the original
2: series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh um, I guess I was gonna say like McCoy would not have known that story because he wasn't on the Enterprise when they were talking about right right but maybe he would w- them of the time
0: yeah he might have set it up though he's like now i've heard stories about the wild things that happen in denivore but mm-hmm. surely a good a good man like you hadn't been caught up in that and then kirk would be like of course wink wink <laughs>
2: <laughs> me no
0: yeah I almost buried her. <laughs> I love <this>
2: stuff. <laughs> You son of a bitch. I
0: also, <laughs> I also will kill encounter at point.
2: All right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're in agreement.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that from this episode, one of the things we love in our life, you know, things that we've experienced
1: in our life
2: came of it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it was hard for me to get through this episode i had to watch in two separate sittings and like during the first sitting i was like oh my god i can't take it anymore like i didn't know what was going on i had and then i stopped it and i came back the next day and realized i actually had only like eight more ep- eight more minutes left and i could have just kept going but i was like no nah, i no and i had to rewind because i had tuned out at some point because i was like i can't take this anymore it's it's rough
0: I had to. I was rewatching it up until an hour before we recorded because oh my God. I kept falling asleep in the first ten minutes. <laughs> usually, ten. I, yes. Usually, if I throw on the Blu-rays, I am just taken in by the great image and like finding all the little production details that you kind of missed when you were watching as a kid, and now you get to see it in high def. Mm-hmm. But this one, I just kept falling asleep. I just, <laughs> it just it was so it was boring. Bad. It was bad. And and it was just hard to see. I, it, like, it's just a miracle. You know what? That's what? I think to me, that's the takeaway. The Next Generation as a TV show is a miracle because this pilot does not work. And I can't believe knowing all the behind the scenes of it that it made it out of its first season. Patrick Stewart was right to not unpack his bags through the first 13. Mm-hmm. That was the encounter at Farpoint. Thanks for listening. And I figured out our sign off. What is it? Kristen. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. And until then, TMK out, sure. you know, like Kirk out, Picard ah, out.
2: Okay. All right. Do I have to say it?
0: No, you don't have to say okay. anything. Okay, you could great. have signed off five minutes ago and I could have just been rambling <laughs> this whole time. You could just say until then, Kristen out.
2: <laughs> I would rather go up to a celebrity and shake their hand at a, at a grocery store. All right. Bye. everybody. All right, Bye.